Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you're with us here on this Thursday as we turn to talk about the Bears. You know, every night at 8 o'clock we give you something NFL draft or give you something Chicago Bears. And tonight, no exception, as we turn to outstanding uh, Chicago sports broadcaster and uh, former Chicago Bear Dan Jiggets. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, here on ESPN 1000. Dan, as always, I appreciate your time. Oh, Jonathan, no problem. Uh, how uh, How's going on uh, with you and your family? What's going on there? Oh, everybody's good. We're expecting another grandson, so I'll make four. Ah. Ah. <laughs> so we're happy as locks, man. It's, it's, uh, it has new meaning to life to see all those little guys running around. It, it really is a blast. Pretty soon, I was hoping maybe we get a start in five, but you know we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to play ball or sing? What, 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 what would you prefer? Oh, oh no, I want them to do whatever it is that they're best at, man. And you know, if, if that's sports, that's fine. Uh, but you know, I, I, my whole thing is, and has always been, education is the first and most important thing. So. Mm-hmm. Let them get that, and then they can figure out the rest of it. <laughs> we uh, we are in some uncertain times, aren't we? I've been talking to a lot of uh, people about what's going on with COVID nineteen, and you know, my, what I've been saying about sports and this is, is is this is that Dan, whenever sports return to returns, the most important thing is everyone's health and everyone is safety mm-hmm. on the other side of this curve. I mean, I know there sports fans are itching and want to have sports back, but the most important thing is health. Yeah, you know what? Because it wouldn't. What difference does it make to you? Because you want to get your sports back, but if you're not there to enjoy it, so the most important thing you can do, and in this time especially, is to, as everybody tells you, isolate. You know, wash your hands and and do all the things that the experts are telling you to do. And the the, the most important thing is don't listen to the politicians. Listen to the experts and yeah. stay safe. You know, so we can all be around to enjoy whatever's coming next in terms of sports. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this today. Um, Near the end of my uh, time at that other station, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was around. You know, remember nine eleven and what that was like, and mm-hmm. and coming back to broadcast, you know, during that time, because we took about two day, two or three days off, and just went with news coverage, and finally had to come back and and try to work your way back into you know conversation about sports. But so much of it was so much more important about what we were all feeling collectively and and where we were going uh, next as a country. And how we kind of rallied together behind that that effort to to get ourselves you know back on our feet and get things going again, and and I just hope that when we get through this, as we go through it, and when we get through it, uh, we will take that same kind of approach collectively to try to you know to figure out what's best for us as a nation, and and really when you look at the way this thing is spread, what's best for this world. So because you know it's funny you look at things differently when you get to be sixty six years old. And you've got grandchildren running around. You want to make sure that you know this, this what you leave for them is something better than what you inherited when you were growing up. So it becomes even that much more important. Dan Jiggets with me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. Dan, we haven't talked since the um, uh, the off season here with free agency. Mm-hmm. What stands out most about what the Bears have done? Well, you know, they went out and got a, another quarterback. Uh, oops. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thought that was that was extremely important. 
Uh, and this one we know can actually win football games. So that was, you know, that was a step in the right direction from there. I just hope that, him, you know, that he can stay healthy and, you know, you can get some productivity out of him because I, I do feel that it's going to be a legitimate competition whenever things get started because I don't think that Mitchell Trubisky, because we have to call him Mitchell still or, or is it Mitch now? Anyway, Mitch. <laughs> I, I, I think that he's going to realize that there is absolutely some competition for that starting opportunity if there's not competition for that starting opportunity, then that's another mistake that they will have made. But, uh, you know, in terms of answering all the needs that they got in free agency, uh, you know, they've done some, I don't know, you know, how much more Jimmy Graham has got left in the tank. Um, but, you know, they drafted a tight end in the second round a few years ago. And I don't know, he's MIA, uh, Adam Shaheen. So one of the other things that has to happen now, because Ryan Pace has not done a good job with the first round picks and Leonard Floyd's now gone, and that was a high-round, first-round pick, too. He's got to hit some home runs in, in this draft. That's just it, Jonathan. And if he doesn't hit some home runs and bring some guys in here that can absolutely you know, plug and play almost, then I think that they have some hard decisions to make about where they go from a general, manager, a general manager's standpoint. You know, I like, Dan, I like uh, on December 31st when the Bears had their final talk with the press mm-hmm. and Ryan Pace said, Mitch is our guy. Mitch is our starter in 2020. And then here, and it goes to the other door here, and here's Nick Foles coming Here's through. Nick Foles, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Foles. He lied to me. But it's all right. Listen, if you're going to lie, fine, as long as it works out. But if you lie and you still struggle, now you need – you, now I have to worry about you as a general manager. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, it's, it's funny where, um, you know, that Mitchell Trubisky knew exactly what was happening when, when, when Nick Foles walked through that door. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he, if he didn't, then he's got to, you know, have blinders on. And I, I love what Ryan had to say about him. He says, you know, then every now and then you see that, that aha moment. I said, yeah, that's true, but we've seen a lot of uh-oh moments, too. <laughs> and, and one of the other things that, that – and all it's not Mitchell's fault, by the way. Uh, you look at what they did with a lack of run game, Johnson. You know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, but the way that they're running the football or not running the ball and the aggressiveness of their offensive line was a huge mistake for them, and that's where the running game went, went awry. It was the fact that, you know, they're just not taking people off the ball. You have to take people off the ball. I don't care – Whatever else you do in the backfield, up front, those five guys have got to be moving people off the football. And I don't know if, uh, you know, if they're going to – I know they changed offensive line coaches. and So I hope that uh, Juan Castillo can come in and get these guys, you know, moving people off the rock again. He was one of my teammates, by the way, in the USFL. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> he was a linebacker with, with, the, uh, with the San Antonio Gunslingers back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> um, Foles, as a starter, do you believe that might happen right away, or will it be Trubisky first? Uh, you you know what, I'm going to say this. Uh, you know, it depends on what happens in terms of the preparation and the time and preparation that they have going into the season. Right now, so many things are uncertain about whether or not you're going to have some, some proper OTA training time or whatever. Uh, so I think that, that might be the kind of thing where, you know, to start the preseason – uh, you go with a guy that's been here before and knows the system. But it won't take long, and he better come out to shoot red hot and keep it hot uh, in order to keep his starting job. If not, Nick Foles will be under center uh, Came come probably game two if things aren't working out well. 
then uh, it's, it's something about free agency. I was just reading a piece from The Athletic about how, you know, free agency is frequently about admitting mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. And so <laughs> so what uh, you look at that defense with Quinn, and I, I like the Bears' defense. It doesn't have to be number one, but it definitely is in the team photo of top ten. Right. And, when, and because Floyd's not there, here's my, my issue. I'm glad that Quinn's here, mm-hmm. and it's great for a, a quick burst, but he's 30. Yeah, and and so now you're just putting a, a band aid over an issue that should have been solved with a proper draft pick. And this is nothing against Mac or or Hicks or Fuller or or the other players on this defense. It's still solid. The point is though is that Quinn comes in for a quick fix and not for the long haul. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and, and you look at you know the capital, the the draft capital that that uh, basically walked out the door because you know Leonard Floyd wasn't exactly what you were looking for. Now, you know, to me, he's probably going to go somewhere else and have a, a pretty good career. Uh, maybe he just didn't fit into the scheme the way that you wanted him to play here, but who knows? Maybe he goes on somewhere else because he has skills. He has a skill set, and maybe another defense is the right one for him. But you're right. You know, you, 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 number one, you, you burn up all that draft capital. It's gone out the door along with a ton of money that you, you had to pay to get him here in the first place. Then you bring a guy in who probably gives you about a year or two of solid play, and then he's probably aging out, and then you start all over again. And in the meantime, you lose somebody like uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, who I think was ready to really blossom at inside backer. And now he's going and playing for the Raiders or somebody, I think. But, uh, and that's where it gets to be this game of musical chairs where you know, sometimes the, the guys that don't seem important right now, but you lose them. And then all of a sudden, you know, six games into the regular season, you're missing them like crazy because maybe one of the other guys got injured and, and that guy would be filling in right down and doing quite well at that opportunity, and he's not there for you. So that's when it gets to be tricky because you're going to have to pay a lot of money for free agents in the first place if you want to get somebody who you feel can really come in and have an impact. So it, it gets to be one of these things where you're throwing you know, good money after bad sometimes. Dan Jiggett's with me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, I saved this for you Mm-mm. because Uh-oh. the last – yes, I want you to hear this sound uh, from Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo Kane is not – He's not connected to a team now, but last year he was with the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. and he was one of the um, the uh, player reps uh, for the Buffalo Bills and really high up on the chain when it comes to the National Football League today. Lorenzo talked to me about uh, players not voting on the CBA. Listen. Uh, are we surprised by that? That's society yeah. in general, right? We have a general election coming up. Um, we're going to have a significant amount of the population that doesn't vote. Local elections the same thing, and so – I think sometimes we like to try to separate athletes from society. Uh, we, we are society. We are part of society. I, I think we have, obviously, a, a, a special gift that allows us to play something that people wish they could. But at the end of the day, we are people. We're part of the community. And so we are victim of the same things that everybody else are. And so um, I guess to combat that, hopefully we can continue to educate, inform, and then use this as an example how easily – if you would have voted and had your voice heard, it could have shifted the vote the other way. Um, and just try to move forward in that aspect and just continue to educate. But you're always going to have, you know, X percentage of whatever population decide not to vote because for whatever reason. They didn't see it. They forgot. Um, don't care. Wrong email. Whatever it may be. And our job is to figure out what those things were and then try to minimize um, that do not vote in the future. 
Dan, you remember one of our previous conversations, we talked about the upcoming CBA, mm-hmm. and I asked you how much would it cost you know, for the NFL to add that 17th game and right. have an extra a set of wild card games. And you mm-hmm. said, well, you know, if I'm the player rep, we definitely have to seriously look at how close we can get to that 50% of the pie. And, and so Lorenzo Cain is mad, along with other veterans, that 20% of the players did not vote. And that was a close vote, by the way, very, very thin. Very close vote, yeah. And so, and so if 20%, if, if you get 10% of that vote that didn't vote, then maybe we're still up in the air for the CBA. Because apparently, according to um, Aaron Rodgers and a lot of other veterans, they don't like the idea that those guys didn't vote and that they have to go through this labor piece for 10 years, having to play an extra game, and then, of course, um, the extra wild card. So they're not yeah. happy about it. Yeah, I don't blame them, you know, but uh, that's what happens all the time, uh, and particularly in professional sports where, uh, number one, you have some guys that, you know, just aren't interested because they don't think that, it, you know, well, whatever. It'll all work out. That's the attitude that some guys take. You have a hard time getting players to read their own contracts. Um, you know, because you ask most players, had you read your contract? And they'll tell you, no, I don't, you know, I just signed it and my guy took care of it for me. Uh, but it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to do to, to get people, you know, to, to sit down and, and actually go through something. You know, and you don't have to do it line by line, but, you know, summarization, because the contract is, is uh, the CBA is a rather extensive uh, piece of work. Uh, but, you know, get some idea and form an opinion and make sure that you vote. Uh, and it's a tough thing sometimes to get young guys, especially, to sit down and take that time to do something that has a tremendous impact on, on their livelihood. But they, I, I think a lot of times, you know, especially the younger ones, kind of assume that, well, the other guys will take care of it. They'll know what's best. And that's not a good approach to take because with an average, you know, career lasting, what, three and a half years, <laughs> not many get to be old, the older guys. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's a shame, but that's the way that it is. It's, that's the way it's been for a long time. That made me mad because yeah. because I'm thinking, well, what if I become that veteran and I've got to be able to represent my team? Now I want other – and there might have been some veterans too that would just – Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a lot more accessible now that according to my interview with Lorenzo Caney said, this is on, on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yes it, or no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> they bullet pointed like they had like ten bullet points. Like, do you want to play a seventeenth game uh, in the regular season? You know, um, you know all the stuff. And and in my bottom line is also this, Dan. After this, and I know this is an unpopular opinion amongst fans, but I don't want to hear anything more about CTE. I don't want to hear anything more about it because obviously the owners don't care about that because they're going to they're put the players in harm harm's way again for another week and another week because it's all about the money. It's yeah. not about the players. No, and, and you know, and hopefully, you know, when you're negotiating these contracts and you're looking at, uh, you know, things that may come down the line, uh, you know, like, you know, all the damage that guys are doing to their bodies and then 20 or 30 years later, you know, they come back and they can't walk or whatever. And there's nothing there for them in, in terms of getting them the kind of help that they need. Uh, that's the other thing that, you know, again, when you're 25, you don't think about it. But when you're 45 or 55, it becomes something that's pretty germane to your life. So, uh, But that's that's the world that we live in, and that's uh, professional sports these days, man. And you're right. Uh, they took a gamble, and, and now we'll see how it pays off or it doesn't. But it's <laughs> definitely you know, a load more work. And they'll start realizing that soon. 
<laughs> they think, well, well, oh, we don't have to play that extra preseason game. Yeah, but you might have to hustle for that seventeenth game in week seventeen to try to, you know, stay in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, you never know hey, when it's when it's twenty below. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Terrible weather. It's like, yeah, you, like you gonna think now. about that deal? Yeah. See, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Dan, did you know Ed Farmer? Yes. Uh huh. What do you remember about Ed? Because he passed uh, away today. He's a classic, you know, Chicago guy too. You know, Ed, Ed was. Uh, you know, strong opinions and everything, but I always enjoyed sitting down and having conversations with him. Uh, you know, you run into him out, you know, at the park or, you know, I'd run into him in the studio or something like that. And he was always just a very gracious guy, you know, and, and we talked a lot about, uh, you know, what he was going through with, uh, with his uh, kidney issues and whatnot and, mm-hmm. and, and talking about, you know, what all of that was like. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a fighter though, man. And that's the, the thing that I remember about him was the fact that, you know, he put up a battle, man, because I don't know if many people knew exactly how tough things got for him at certain times, but, man, he had to battle his his, his tail off to survive. And uh, I'll remember that about him. He's always one of those guys that was very friendly and, uh, you know, and again, great conversationalist. So, uh, I you know, may God rest his soul, man. So he's, he's uh, no longer worrying about all of those physical issues. Yeah, there's no question. And mm-hmm. lastly, Dan, i got to ask you about – in a couple of weeks, we're going to see this docu series from the Chicago Bulls. Can't wait! And I and I've got a, a tr- I've got something that people don't know. Um, Dan, you and Mike were the last, <laughs> really the last guys to talk to Michael in a sports radio setting. Mm-hmm. Then Jesse booked uh, Michael for you when he was on the road. I think yeah, Jesse did. did that. That that was in the nineties. He did. He obviously <laughs> didn't do sports radios. So I think you you two were the last ones to do it early in his career. Well, you know, then the funny story about Jesse. And I think I might have told you the story before about how uh, the guy was doing some work in Michael's house when Michael was announcing his comeback. And this guy overheard the conversation and called us and told us what the, what the scoop was. And he said, Michael's going to be at, you know, XY building at this time. That's what he said. And so we're like, man, you know, we can't believe this. So anyway, we sent Jesse over there. So Jesse's calling us like secret squirrel. He goes, guys, you won't believe it. He's coming out of the building right now. So he is coming back. And so we went with it. <laughs> That's news you can use. Right yeah, there. we sent the little guy over there. <laughs> That's really awesome. See, now that's part of that should be part of that docu series. Oh, that's no doubt. Yeah, that's good information. Well, all the best to you and, and your family. And um, just wanted to check in with you, especially with that CBA piece. That that didn't make me happy at all. But no. uh, I'm, I'm glad we we're able to talk about that. Yeah, it kind of you know. But you know, again, you know, we can't get people to sit down and read a newspaper when some things are so important. What do you expect from the, you know a couple of ball players that don't want to sit down and read about what's going to happen for the next five years of their lives? That's so true. <laughs> Dan, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, Jonathan, you be good, man. And, and I hope everybody in your family is doing well as, also. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, take care, man. Dan Jiggett's with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Coming up next, we talk more about the celebration of life for Ed Farmer, longtime broadcaster and player uh, for the Chicago White Sox. We hear from ESPN uh, color analyst Chris Singleton, a former White Sox player and analyst uh, who worked with Ed Farmer on the broadcast booth. We'll hear from uh, Chris Singleton coming up next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. 
I think Ed Farmer falls into that same category that we've talked about with Rich Gossage. Of course, Farmer with the White Sox and their pitching coach Ron Schuler has said that first of all, they're using him now only like in the eighth and ninth innings if they can just keep it right there. But for the first time, he's been a leader and he's not necessarily a follower anymore. He's been around. It's an interesting story with Ed Farmer. Been in professional baseball since 1967. Nondescript career, really. And this year, everything perfect. Chris Singleton, ESPN Major League Baseball Analyst, with me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, we found out this morning the passing of your longtime broadcast partner, Once Upon a Time, and Ed Farmer, was with the ball club for 28 years as an analyst uh, and play-by-play -play man for the White Sox. What are your memories of that first year? Because I want to hone in on that because your first time in the booth and you're with Farmer every day. What was that first year like between you and Ed? Well, I would say, especially the first couple of months of the year, it was going 100 miles per hour for me because I was fresh off the field the year before, mm -hmm. thrust into a, sort of a, a great opportunity, but you know, really no experience and had to learn a lot. But Ed was great. Uh, I just remember early on, um, he was very reassuring. Listen, you're going to be fine. You're going to do a great job. Here's what uh, you got to remember broadcast is just two guys sitting in a bar having a conversation and that's that's all it needs to be and the and the people listening they get to eavesdrop on our conversation uh, that's the approach you want to have and uh, just really kind of helping me to understand it's you know it's a relaxed thing be yourself uh, enjoy it and then secondly which is probably you know the most important is that you know he'd always say you take care of me, I'll take care of you. I take care of you, you take care of me. Meaning that broadcast booth isn't designed for the broadcasters to compete with one another. It's designed for them to complement one another and make each other sound like the best at their job. And if you do that, then as a team, your broadcast will sound outstanding and terrific. And so those were things I remember early on. Obviously, you know, there are so many White Sox fans that, you know, have listened to Ed Farmer for a long time, some people their entire lives. And to know Ed could tie in a lot of different things into, uh, you know, one at bat or one inning, whether it's movies or music or, you know, trial anything. And uh, Ed just had that ability for his, his mind to work quickly and uh, to go in a lot of different directions, but also be able to pull it back in when there was action on the field. Another thing, too, with that, because Farmer was in the booth so long with John Rooney and then you working with him, is it's got to be a trust there, too, because, Chris, you were doing half the play-by-play -play in those nine innings a lot of times, too. What was that first experience like with Ed? Because he's already established, and now here you are with the steering wheel explain to people that can't see the game what's going on yeah i tell you it was uh it was nerve-wracking my first year especially when i was just trying to learn so many things on the fly i mean my stomach would be a knot the first few innings uh waiting for my inning to come up and uh yeah but he was always you know always supportive there's a lot that goes on that's doesn't come across the air, but in terms of the broadcasters, whether they are, you know, nonverbal communication, whether it's a note that you pass across, 
um, hand signals for something. Um, you know, I, I could just remember Farmio with these, you know, these hands that he had. And if I was doing play-by-play, and here's, you know, Mark Burley, you know, strikes out Justin Morneau, um, you know, I look over, and as I'm saying it, Farmio's got his hands up with the number of strikeouts that is for Burley on the day. That's his fourth strikeout on the day. You know, but he was just always there to to support and help. And um, he enjoyed what he did, man. I mean, nobody loved the White Sox and the, the fans more than uh, Ed Farmer. I mean, not, not that I've encountered. I mean, he, he loved the fans. He loved the South Side. He loved the you know, White Sox. Just he, he was really as much White Sox baseball as, as anybody you can think of. Chris Singleton, ESPN Major League Baseball analyst with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app about the person that he was, too. The stories I've heard being around the ball club um, and what we're hearing now, now that he's passed away, all these are, are positive stories. You can't find someone with a bad thing to say about about Ed. What do you remember most about the person away from uh, the ballpark, maybe traveling? Well, Ed was, he was the master connector, the master sort of networker, if you will. Like he, he, if he was the go-to guy. If somebody needed anything, wanted anything, was interested in something, you went to Ed Farmer and Ed Farmer either knew, could get you the information, could get you connected. Like it was just kind of a snap of the fingers for him, it, it seemed, to get things done and to get people, you know, what they were looking for. Um, just great that way. But but behind it all was just his heart to, you know, just such a big heart to help people. Big heart to help people. I mean, he, you know, it's easy to say, well, he never said no to anyone. You know, a lot of times after someone passes, you know, we just, you know, paint them as, you know, perhaps a saint. And it's not exactly true. But you know, for Ed Farmer, I would say that even if there was a request that, like, someone had that he really, like, didn't, wasn't thrilled about, he still would try to find a way to help the person. So, you know, to me, that's real talk, and that's that's just the person he was. But the majority of the time, man, that's what he lived for, to help people. He, he lived for the cause. He lived for um, just making sure that that everyone had everything they needed. And um, he's a unique individual, a special person. And um, they're, they're not, <laughs> there's not many, if really any other Ed Farmer types. I mean, once in kind of a lifetime, uh, do you, do you get to, to know and be around a person is uh, talented and unique and um, compassionate and all those things that uh, that he is, that he he was. Uh, was that golf game inflated? What, did he really have a good golf game? Did he beat you? I think I caught him on the tail end. I caught him on the tail end <laughs> of uh, the golf game. I, I think there was a time where the golf game was really, really good, mm-hmm. and he was still a good player. But, again, you know, you remember Ed had a knee issue. Um, he had some things that – that made it hard part of, you know, what he dealt with, with his health, you know, his hands weren't always uh, the strongest or the, so he was dealing with some, some health things that prevented him from being the golfer. I think that he was young when he was younger, but he was very solid, steady player 
uh, the times I played with him, and uh, he'd always talk about it. You know, I mean, he was at the driving range a lot, and uh, he was he used to always say, you know, if you, if I told him, hey, Farmio, we played a round of golf yesterday at such and such a place. Did you play from the tips? That was his first question. Did you play from the – what did you shoot? Would you play from the back? And it was almost this thing where with Farmio, it's like you didn't, if you went to a place and you didn't play from the back, you didn't even want to tell him that you went and played because <laughs> – because it was like in a loving way he was going to shame you. That's so funny. Um, I want to find out from you, Chris. How how should Ed be remembered as someone that was a player? Was an All Star in 1980? Uh, became a broadcaster and someone who was really there with Jesse White in a big way as far as kidney donation, um, organ donation, and he's he's had like three acts in his life. So how should he be remembered overall? I, my personal is, you know, the broadcaster that he was and really the messenger. You know, I think that his he took the most pride in the fact that he got to be the messenger or the channel between White Sox baseball and which he loved with all of his heart and the fans, which he loved and to be able to deliver to them the good news of, of the White Sox. And, and I can't imagine anything more special than the World Series in 2005 uh, for him to be uh, you know, part of that delivery to the fans that the White Sox you know, had won the pennant and won, you know, won in the World Series. So, yeah, that's, to me, that's kind of what it seemed like is, is his goal was in his heart bled for the fans. Chris, I'm glad you spent some time, and I'm um, prayerful for you and your family that everything goes well. And um, as I've mentioned to you before, you know, when baseball's ready to return, it'll return. But for right now, let's uh, let's get through this pandemic and uh, and let's get through our issues here, and then we'll see sports at some point. Yeah, and I just encourage the fans that that pray to you know pray for the Farmer family and his lovely wife Barbara and his daughter Shanda just through this time. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. We'll Chris talk Singleton. to you again soon. Absolutely. Chris Singleton, uh, White Sox, longtime White Sox and ESPN Major League Baseball analyst with me, Jonathan Hood. You're listening to ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Hood with you. We'll hear from Chris Ranji from ESPN 101 St. Louis. Our stations in St. Louis. Um, he worked with uh, Ed Farmer for years on that White Sox broadcast crew. So we'll talk to Chris, get his thoughts about it. The late Ed Farmer and more coming up at nine o'clock right here on ESPN One Thousand. Well, tales from the hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. So our executive producer Eric Ostrowski, who I've known for a long time, says, "Hey, looking for something to watch? Watch Tiger King. It's the number one show on Netflix." There he was, smiling Eric, told me, yes, you need to watch this documentary. It's so interesting. 
And so I turned it on over the last few days, and I just finished it up this morning. And there you go, Eric. I watched the entire thing, all seven episodes. How would you, like, when you try to describe this show to someone, how would you describe it? Because it's not easy to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> um, it is uh, don't F with cats on steroids. It, it, it's it seems like it's something made up. Like if you turn this yeah. script into like a movie like company, they'd just be like, no, this is this is absurd. I would say to get ready for it, watch Don't F with Cats on Netflix, and then watch Tiger King to get you into that uh, animal mode, the protection of animals. But just this is a story of not just animals, but the abuse of animals, and then the business, the redneck business of. Someone trying to have a bootleg zoo. Bootleg it, zoo, right? Yeah, there, there's what, three of them? Three bootleg zoos that you follow around? <laughs> the, 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 uh. the carnival of bootleg zoos. That's what I would say. It's like the, like the most bootleg zoo ever. And this is, I'm watching this Joe Exotic, and I will tell you, man, the twists and turns with this guy. <laughs> and right now he's in jail, and rightfully so. But Carol Baskin, who's also on this of uh, this program, who also has her own bootleg zoo, you know, she doesn't come off as a good person either. No, she totally uses people's sympathy to take their money. And America's pretty sure she killed her first husband. <laughs> you think she did? <laughs> I mean... I think so. I think so, too. Like, all, like, obviously she said the whole sardine oil. Like, well, if I were to do it, this is the yes. way I'd do it. And you're like, Thank wait, you. wait a minute. You just tell us what you did? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Yes. A key to that. Like, okay, so how do you know sardine oil would be a key for a tiger to, you know, to kill another person? If you pour sardine oil on your shoes, that tiger will start biting at you and gnawing at you and try to kill you. Yeah, no. she, she pulled that out of out of nowhere. And it was one of those where, like, we were just talking about if you killed your husband by having a tiger eat him. And now you're telling us how you'd do it. Okay, so let's go to the Facebook wall, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood. And I asked a question, um, have you watched Tiger King? What is your favorite scene or episode from that show? And I kind of just throw in there, did Carol kill her husband? Um, because again, you, you have to watch the show because there are multiple husbands that are involved with Carol on this show. Um, Dan says definitely she hardly shows emotion over him. She doesn't. It's weird. They, she didn't even put like have a funeral or a wake or any services for her husband who mysteriously disappears. Yeah. Why is that? Why, why wouldn't they have something like that? Why? Because she doesn't care. Because she just See. wanted that that money that he had. See, Ugh. and the suspi- and, and this is the area of where this is taking place between Florida and uh, where she was in Oklahoma. Two places in the country where, well, we can't find enough evidence, so we're just going to drop the case. Yep. Is, is this happen all the time? There are so many examples of. Here's a story that this is the track we're going on, Eric. And then it's like, well, we just don't have the evidence that he, you know, that uh, Joe Exotic tried to burn down his television studio to try to get the money for it. Arson. Nope. Got no, not no proof that she fed her uh, ex-husband to the, to the wolves, to the lions. Nope. There's no, so we're going to drop the case. What is that? I, I totally think he burned his studio down too, as well. No I think that was totally a PR move for him. No question. Totally. 
gotta watch this, people. You have to watch Tiger King. You got time? Watch it. Um, uh, how about <laughs> Joe Exotic's presidential run? He was that did literally not hired a campaign manager <laughs> and tried to become the president. His campaign manager is my guy, by the way. Yes. He's just there with his checkered jacket, <laughs> and he's just telling you how it goes. Going, this, and he worked at Walmart, right? I know. So he was like selling Joe Exotic guns at Walmart, and then he decided to become his, <laughs> his campaign advisor. <laughs> so crazy. It's so ridiculous, man. It just... Oh, my God. Uh, research that I did. So, you know, if you watch it, Joe Exotic also was a country music star. Well. Not him. He paid this band in Washington to make all his songs, and then he was able to use them for his videos. He's not even singing. No. Okay, so even worse, and we're talking about a lot of people that are fake on the show. Joe Exotic at one point loses um, Joseph Maldonado, right? Yeah. No, he mm-hmm. no, he loses one of his his uh, ex because he shot himself, Maldonado. Right, one of his uh, husbands. One of his husbands. Where, I mean, where's the emotion there? Two week, two months later, he gets married to somebody else. Yeah, literally right away, and and so he had three husbands. All three have admitted that they're not gay, and that it was just the meth and the scene that they liked, and he kind of just convinced them. And now, like one of them's married to a woman and has a kid. <laughs> So, like, what is this? Show Exotic's gay, but actually married heterosexuals. And those dudes were never gay. No, he just, just messed with their minds with meth, basically. Um, Ken Chirilla says it's a glorious bunch of hilljacks. Um, and I've seen this meme a ton, by the way. Carol's husband tasted great. The tiger with, one? Yes. With Tony the Tiger. Uh, <laughs> like, I've, seen that. <laughs> I've seen that a million places. Now. I didn't get it at first, but now after watching the show and its in- conclusion, now I get it, right? Absolutely. Um, best scene is, uh, Jay says, best scene is still Shaq. Give him a shout out uh, or the tiger guy uh, with the wives. So, yes, Shaq was here and Shaq got in trouble because if you believe that is animal abuse, and I be- and we saw it on the screen, there was animal abuse. Who who gets a long stick and starts stabbing at a tiger to wake him up after you've been, you know, you put him under with a needle? I know. And so that's complete abuse. Shaq's part of that. Yeah, Shaq, Shaq had to there. like like come out with an apology and everything dude, like that. Dude. Um. What else? Um. Eric Ostrowski says, "Good morning, all you cool cats and kittens." <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Eric says, good morning, you, you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> Just that line. I, I don't think I'll ever, ever get old. Put on the poll at ESPN 1000. Does Carol from um, does Carol from Tiger King actually look like a cat? Yes or no? And the crazy thing is that she's allergic to cats. So she's this oh, crazy. crazy cat person who crazy. can't even have cats in her house. Have you ever called a tiger a big cat before the show? I mean, they're in the big cat family. I guess if I like, no, I, I guess not. No, I just call them tigers or lions. lions I, yeah, I've never called them big cats, but big cats was something that was talked about a ton on here. Um, How about Kim, the um, the guy that basically took the the zoo from Joe Exotic, Jeff Lowe, the sixty year old that's wearing two do rags and a hat and a fox racing jacket in every scene. <laughs> <laughs> can't make this stuff up. So Jeff Lowe, but, uh, you know, I guess Jeff Lowe's on the up and up. He tried to rehab this zoo, and you know he was shady, him and his 
partner there. Yeah, you they know, would, he was shady. They would smuggle tigers into Vegas hotel rooms and then use those tigers to bring women into their rooms. I don't want to be with a woman that thinks that that's cool. No, not at all. I'm just I'm just being straight with you. Like, how, how can I attract women to sleep with me? I'm going to bring like small tigers in, little baby cubs, cub petting. That that's what gets you going. That's get, that's what gets you off. That's strange. He literally was bragging about it. Weird. <sighs> God, we don't want to give it all away, but we just want to give you a little sample of the nonsense. And what about Doc? Doc Antle, he sleeps out of uh, Myrtle Beach. He seems fine. That's fine. I've been to Myrtle Beach five times. I've never seen this. You should you should check it out next no, time. No, I'm not going <laughs> I'm to not see a Doc Antle. <laughs> so Doc Antle is a polygamist. Yep. Um, he how's that legal? In, how's that legal in South Carolina? By no the way? idea. Is that legal? No okay. idea. He basically entraps these women and makes them live on his compound, and then makes them work from sunup to midnight, and they're happy to do it. I don't know. He's got I, a great ponytail, though. <laughs> I just don't understand the scene. That whole scene, that whole <laughs> whole zoo scene. And by the way, like, oh, and last thing, last thing. Okay. Here's what's disgusting, right? I used to work at Jewel before I was in radio, right? I was at a high school and in the college. I was working at the Jewel on 91st in South Chicago, and then I was on the far east side, close to the uh, close to the state line, um, over there on 106th, and worked at those two jewels, right? And so you always had at the end of the day, if there was food that was going to be, you know, no good the next day, you could take it home if you wanted to and cook it that night. You know, like if it was the steaks and all the kind of meat that the um, that the butchers were going to throw away. Right, because like, okay, they have well, a certain shelf life. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, if you cook it that night or maybe the next day, you're good. The idea that they were going to the Walmart every day getting bologna and getting all of these processed meats and all of these other meats they had, Eric, and they were feeding that to the, to the animals, that was the way that they can feed because they're getting free stuff out of the garbage. And then on top of that, having their own pizzeria at the Tiger King place and then building the, the meat from, you know, spoiled meat. Uh, you saw this, right? The pizza oh, yeah, was... absolutely. So imagine being someone who went to this farm and had a piece of pizza. Oh. And like a sausage piece of pizza. They literally admit in the, in the whatever, in the documentary that they were using the spoiled meat from Walmart to make their, <sighs> their pizza. Dude, really? <sighs> now, I mean, you need more than just a little bit. And they fed the, re- fed the rest of those to the, the animals. So messed up. And like watching them like unload the gross meat. Oh, it's, it's, it's something else, man. It's so messy. If you have time, check it out. We'd love to get your response. At uh, And again, at ESPN 1000, does Carol look like a, a cat? Does she look like a big cat? Yes or no? All right. That is Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. Eric talked me into it, and I'm glad I watched it all the way through just to find out what happens to Joe Exotic who's still in, in uh, prison right now. And I was wondering what happened to uh, Rick Kirkham because he was the, the uh, announcer on the show. You uh, know, or, or he, he was so afraid where they were filming that was in Norway because when he left, he feared for his life and he fled to some tiny town in Norway and just chain smoked cigarettes and does meth. <laughs> you could see that, right? <laughs> the, the meth part. The, the, the lack of teeth in this show is something, too. <laughs> 
you'd be able to a single. Uh, you could count the uh, amount of teeth on one hand for every one. for all the characters combined. <laughs> Watch Tiger King, people. We'd love to get your reaction to it. Chris Rondry, right around the corner from ESPN 101 St. Louis. His thoughts on the late Ed Farmer, right here on UTH.